it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Winging It with Vince Carter and Annie Finberg is back in full swing for its second season. Catch up on recent episodes with guests like Wyclef Jean, who talks about growing up in Haiti, hip-hop as a teacher, and performing with a goat. And you can hear from tennis phenom Coco Goff on beating Venus Williams at 15 years old. You can listen to Winging It on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Cousin Sal here, along with heel producer Jim Cunningham. What's happening, Jim? Not much, Sal. How are you? Jim, you pushed with your $2 million best bet. You got it. You lucky you got it early in the week. I think you should have won this, but <laughs> Bills plus three, pretty bad beat. They were up 16 nothing, I think, and then, I then they just blew it. But you'll, they'll take a push for $2 million, right? Sure. Yeah, it's better than losing it. Yeah, it's better than Lou. I noticed that Simmons breaks it up. He doesn't bet all million dollars on one bet. He'll he'll uh he'll spread it out and he'll say, Mallory, what do you think of this? And she'll be like, That's good. And House, what do you think of this? And they say, That's good. And that's it. And they just go from there. He has like four or five uh bets there. But doesn't matter what he did. It's what I did. I got killed. I got 0-4 last week. Bad beat, I thought, with the Bills. Not so great with the Eagles either. I don't know what happened. That could have just as easily gone the other way if Russell Wilson was the uh, recipient of a headhunting mission. But um, that's why we have Jeff Schwartz on later. Former NFL star, eight years in the league. He tells us what's going on in the trenches. He's going to help out. We're also going to go over the four NFL games this week, the college football championship, take a ride on Captain Morgan's Riverboat Casino, best bets, everything. We're going to do that with my gurus of gambling, my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, Brother Bry. And Darren, the parlay kid, what's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Sal, what's happening? What's going on, buddy? Well, there's a lot. I want to start with um, Harry is going to be bragging here, so let's just get it out of the way. He had as his best bet. Now, like I said, there's a ton of uh, NFL games and everything. He picks the one bowl game on Friday. What was it, the Idaho Potato Bowl? Yep, from Boise, Idaho. And what do you have to tell everybody? Remind everyone, because no one remembers. I had Ohio minus eight. The game went to like 10, 10 and a half. But when we recorded this, I gave it out at minus eight. Now, you guys may even try to slam. You guys were slamming me a little bit in text. But still, in fairness, with nine minutes to go in this game, they were up 30 to nine going in for another touchdown to make it 37 to nine. Then all chaos happened. They they fumbled Ohio. uh allowed Nevada to come down and score a touchdown, then three and out. Nevada, another touchdown, blocked extra point, two-point conversion miss. So then when it was 30 to 21, uh, they Nevada got the ball back again. And then from the nine-yard line, instead of uh, on fourth down after they went three misses in a row, instead of kicking the field goal to be down six with 40 seconds to go and then try an onside kick, the head coach decided to go for it, didn't make it. Ohio still wins by nine. If you had the eight, the eight was a winner. All right. So now, I mean, this is about as bogus a win as you could claim for somebody. For First of all, like you said, you gave it out on the podcast. You don't know when people are going to listen. and You don't know how the line is going to change. But you gave it out as eight. It went as high as 10. So just by that virtue, it, it's, a, it's a loser if you had it at 10. But the, to lose, the, I kept refreshing my phone. I could not believe this. And Brother Bry, too, I think had the other side here. He faded, Harry. But what kind of coach doesn't kick a field goal with a little less than two minutes left 
down nine. You need two scores. You're not going to get a, a closer field goal than that, Parlay Kid. Should he be bragging about this win? Not at all, Sal. That's a terrible job by the coach. I mean, I think uh, somebody even on Twitter who was actually paying attention to the game said that coach should no longer be a football coach. You, you have to kick yeah. the field goal uh, at that point. And um, Harry would have lost his bet. That, he was very fortunate. No matter what else happened up to that point, you have yes. to consider yourself fortunate when the final outcome is uh, results in what what had happened. So he should he should be very a, thankful. Very lucky. Well, listen, we should be very thankful that we didn't hire that coach. Cowboys, we're Cowboys <laughs> fans here, Parlay kid. I think we did all right with Mike McCarthy. It was a little yeah. curious that they they got him right away. It involved a sleepover, pretty sexy stuff. Slept <laughs> over Jerry's house. They signed him. <laughs> I've been maintaining that if you're not going to go after the college guys, who I'm not sure would have been a good fit anyway, Urban or uh, yeah. Lincoln Riley, but if you're not going to get one of those guys, Mike McCarthy's probably as good as you're going to do, and they've uh, supplemented it nicely with Fossil today and Nolan uh, yeah. yesterday. What do you Mike think? Nolan. You happy with this? Yeah, I think he's assembling a nice staff. He looks like he's going to keep Kellen Moore on as the offensive coordinator, which I think makes uh, a lot of sense for uh, for Dak and the offense. Uh, fossil special teams that the special teams were awful this year. That's a, that's an upgrade. Mike Nolan, defensive coordinator. I've always liked uh, coach Nolan. And listen, this is what I would look at it. I know some people will kind of, uh, some people, a lot of the media second guess this, this choice, but look what's unfolded since then. It appears to be the right choice. Uh, you know, say people say, well, he had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and he only won. Once with him, only won one Super Bowl uh, with, with him. Um, I would contend, couldn't you say the same thing about Sean Payton with uh, Drew Brees? And if Sean Payton sure. was available, we would have been very happy with Sean Payton. And Sean Payton and Mike, Mike McCarthy basically have identical records in their careers. Uh, they've each won once. Um, outside of Bill Belichick uh, with these modern coaches, who's won more than once? So uh, he is yeah. probably the best guy available. I think it's a solid hire, if not spectacular. And look, this is a win-now team. You bring in a college coach like Lincoln Riley or somebody like that, I think that's more of a let's win in the future team. This is a win-now team. I think he's the right, right hire. It's not, uh, you know, it's not lighting the uh, world on fire here with it. But um, I'll say this, Parley kid, it's addition by subtraction, especially if the clapper goes to the Giants as the OC. Ha. I mean, they already—I oh, don't know what they did already with uh, Judge Joe, Joe Judge, whatever it is name. I, I, we thought Daniel Jones was a reach. I don't know what the Giants are doing there. It might work out. Who knows? Sometimes the no-name coaches, the the ones that make, scratch your head, work out. But I'm glad Garrett's on the other side. It's going to suck when they beat us once this next year. But I'm glad for now <laughs> that uh, that's the case. Um, Brother Bry, let's talk about. You. First of all, happy birthday, Brother Bry. Thank 27 you. Twenty-seven years old. No, what? What are you? <laughs> this isn't the big one, is it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I just turned forty yesterday. <laughs> yep. Holy big shit! Four, big four zero. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Why aren't we making a bigger deal out of this, Jim Cunningham? That's we all right. Because I don't. Something I, out. I don't even care. It's happy fine. birthday. I, I don't care about my birthday. You should care. It's it's all coming to an end soon. Forty is forty's <laughs> worse than where me and uh, Harry and, and Parley Kid are at here. Um, we, we, wow. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, let me ask you this: a nice birthday gift would have been a million dollar prize from DraftKings, right? But there's a scandal now. Um, did you guys hear about this? Jade Roper Tolbert, who was a contestant on The Bachelor a few years ago, 
made a million dollars, put together a great lineup. Um, she had 150 entries, I think. She the problem is her boyfriend. How does this work, Brian? It's her boyfriend also had 150 entries, and out of the 300, 298 were unique. And now DraftKings is investigating. They haven't said anything in a day or two how they're going to treat this, but they're thinking of pulling the million dollars. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation because I don't, you know what, Sal, I really don't love the volume betting aspect of this. Like almost, I feel like almost everyone who wins is a volume better. It's kind of unfair for the casual, like the person who really wants to have fun with it. It's kind of unfair for them. But I also get that volume betters also put in a ton of money into this. Um, right. That's probably why half these uh, sites survive. So I get it kind of from both sides, but they definitely colluded, it seems like, especially in the playoffs, because there's only so many combinations, right, you could have. So uh, mm-hmm. even if you do this type of thing in the regular season, your uh, I don't know, you know what your odds have still went. Obviously, they inc- increase exponentially, but in the playoffs especially, it's like such an unfair advantage for people who are actually doing this. But mm-hmm. the thing is, does... Like, are all the winners, is this what all the winners are pretty much doing? Like 90% of these winners on these sites? And if that's the case, you know, it kind of stinks for this one group to get called out on this because I'm sure there's a lot well, of that, colluding yeah. or or people have like 10 different accounts and they're putting in 150 for 10 different accounts. I'm sure it's happening. Uh, it's just that it seems very obvious that they did cheat on this. So uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what they're going to do. I'd be surprised if they didn't uh, didn't take the money back here. Well, it, it kind of, yeah, it kind of undermines the whole process here. DraftKings, it could be, you know, you're admitting to faulty wiring here. Like, yeah, anyone could do this. First of all, I think for, she brings up a good point. She's like, what about the first uh, 17 weeks when I lost? What about all that money? Uh, do I get that back? You know, we kind of did the same thing, which on a much smaller scale, this is our friend Brad who puts in six pool sheets every year for the NCAA and then wins one year. And everyone's like, oh, he put in six. He's like, yeah, but. He's over 60 in the last 10 years. So what are you going to do about that? Secondly, I think if she weren't famous and potentially not a woman, this wouldn't be as big a deal. If this is just this guy and his brother doesn't get neither uh, nearly as much notoriety um, and maybe they don't do an investigation. So it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, turns out for sure. Now we have our own pool. No hijinks going on here. We uh, set it up last week. It's the first touchdown scorer pool Here's how it is. You have 200 fake dollars. You have to bet $10 per game, $5 minimum per player, and you pick a player or several players to score the first touchdowns. All the losers pay the winner whatever he or she wins. Now, Saturday, Brother Brian and I, we came out of the gates with Josh Allen to score the first touchdown. He runs for Brian. He ran for like 30 yards, right? And then got caught from behind. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a bummer. But then he catches one. Who threw it to him? John Brown? Yep, John Brown. I think, threw it I think it was John Brown. Uh, no one picked it right, and so we got that. What do we have for that? How many? That was. Um, so we. Each, what kind of odds each did we have on that? Yeah, we twelve, it was 12 to one. Twelve to one, and we each had we each had five on it. So twelve to one. So we both start off with sixty dollars after the first game. No one picks the second game. Sunday early, Alvin Kamara scores. I had that four to one bang. That's another forty. So I'm up a hundred to sixty to zero to zero. Uh, no one had the Eagles Seahawks first score. It's crazy. Kamara didn't do anything after that that touchdown. You thought that would uh, lead to bigger things. Harry, what are you going to do? You plan on uh, participating this year? Uh, you know, it's early, Sal. It's early. I won last year and I won in a runaway last year. It's early. I got time. Listen, I got plenty of time. 
All right. Not too many games left, Parlay Kid. Do you have a different strategy for the last seven? <laughs> no, not really, Side. Look, it takes one one guy to hit, right? So if I have uh if I have somebody at twelve to one and I put uh ten on somebody, I'll uh, I'll leapfrog both of you, right? So it can turn pretty quickly, like Harry's saying. And I think our our listeners, uh, or at least some of our Twitter followers, really do like this uh contest we engage in. So uh, Yeah, it's good. Hopefully, this yeah, should it's, be it's a, a bigger fun little thing. thing. I'm waiting yeah. for some bachelor contestant to come in and just uh, screw the whole thing over. But um, yeah, I think we, I think we can make this a bigger thing in the future. If I uh, we we have to remember next year. Um, cousin Definitely. Sal against all odds at gmail.com. That's where you can reach us over email if you want to put yourself up to be a member of the Degenerate Gamblers Hall of Fame, or if you want to just reach out like Steve Henderson did. Uh, not the old Met Cincinnati Red it was involved. I think he was involved in the uh, Tom Seaver trade, but no, this is a different Steve Henderson. I am the winner referenced in this article, and he lists a link. As a loyal listener of Against All Odds and Guess the Lines, and a loyal viewer of Locking In, more than a little credit for my win. Details in the link goes to Cousin Sal and friends. Your weekly advice was a key part of my process for picking these games. Was I going with your advice or fading it? I'll let you decide. But without you guys, I would not be heading to Vegas and entering next year's Super Contest. So want to thank you. You've been an integral part of my victory. Thanks for the advice and the entertainment. Okay, so here's what this guy did. He entered the CBS Sportsline pool, and he won $4,000. He went 155 and 101, fading our picks. He gets $4,000 and a free entry into the Vegas Super Contest. Uh, next year. Harry, what do you think of that? Fading our picks, making money, sending none of it our way. It can happen here and there, but listen, we've, we've been hot. Listen, we, we had some nice picks last week, so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if we've been hot. Bro, brother Brock, guy went 155 and 101 fading us. Well, that's pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. Is what Maybe we close shop. <laughs> All right, but I think first we should go over these games. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I saw the AFC is a three and a half point favorite over the NFC in the Super Bowl. So I think that's taking best case scenario out of everything. If the Ravens went against the Niners, I don't know. It seemed a little bit steep, but let's go game by game Saturday early, 435 Eastern, uh, Minnesota, San Francisco, the Niners off a bye, seven point favorite, 45 is the over-under. Kirk Cousins getting all the glory. Played a big game. He stepped it up. I don't know. I don't think he was the number one story. I think Cook was awesome. He had 28 carries. Daniil Hunter, phenomenal defensively. Drew Brees struggles, collapses again. Um, momentum doesn't seem to matter. Home field doesn't seem to matter, at least in that first uh, round. Parlay Kid, who are you taking this game? Well, boy, Sal, I really misread the Saints last week uh, Yeah, in that game. So, uh, wow, I misread them. I really thought they'd come out... Uh, Firing on all cylinders. They didn't. I uh, thought the Vikings played a very smart game uh, with Cook as the uh, their main weapon. Cousins was good. He was solid. I mean, he wasn't spectacular by any stretch of the imagination, but he was solid. And and that's sometimes all you need to be on the road is, is be smart with the ball. He completed some big passes, um, and he did enough uh, to win them the game. But that being said, um, listen, I think this 49ers team is headed to the Super Bowl out of, out of the NFC, so I'm going to take them here uh, uh, to win and cover this game. Um, the defense is healthier now than it's been in, in a long time, at least uh, for the last month or two. Uh, they can run it well. They can throw it well. We all know uh, K- you know, Kittle's going to ha- probably have a fantastic game. 
Um, as usual, uh, he might be the best player on the field this week. I wouldn't be surprised uh, again. Um, the 49ers seem to be battle tested. I feel like they've already played games that have felt like playoff games, right? I really feel like there's been some games where yeah. they've had to win or, you know, like the Ravens game when they went into Baltimore, a matchup of maybe like a, the preview of the Super Bowl, and they gave um, the Ravens everything they had in that game and that, and that weather, et cetera. So I, I think this is a battle-tested team. I think they're primed for this game. They're a hard-nosed team. And I think, look, the Vikings got the monkey off their back, but I think now they relax a little bit. I think I think there's a little bit of relaxation for them, like, hey, all right, we won a game, et cetera. And I think the uh, 49ers come out here and uh, they take care of business this week, Sal. So I think they're going to cover that I'm spread. with you. I think so. Dalvin Cook faces this defense. has only allowed uh, two running backs to go for over 100 yards this season. Um you know, I think this is where home field takes, you know, it starts cooking here. Uh, defense, 282 yards allowed this season. I think only second behind the Patriots. Niners running game. That's going to be the story, too. They grind it out. I think they beat the Vikings. I think they cover. They win by 10. Harry, you disagree. Yeah, totally disagree here. I'm, uh, I was all in on the Vikings last week. I'm all in on the Vikings again this week. Uh, first, the 3-1 and one straight up in their last four divisional round games. And like you said, Mets out. They established the run against New Orleans. Um, Cook was uh, fantastic in the first quarter, bouncing to the outside. San Francisco is only 17th overall in the league against the rush. And like I said, he really established a running game. He did it in overtime, too, for them. Uh, big stage here for Garoppolo. It'll be in- interesting to see how he handles the situation. He's not holding a clipboard in the playoffs anymore for Brady. It's, it's him now. And their defense the last four weeks, not impressive. 21 points to Seattle, 31 to the Rams lost to the Falcons and gave up 46 in that crazy game to the Saints. They're 3-2 and two in the last five. Easily, if you look at those games, could have lost all five. Seattle was at the one. Rams controlled most of that game. And the Saints, like I said, was the craziest game of the year for a team that still ended the season second best in rushing. Uh, they haven't had a rusher to go over 70 yards since the Baltimore game. And last week, I said, Hook, Cousins, and Daniil Hunter were going to be the key three guys that had to get it done for the Vikings if they wanted a game get it done that's who got it done for the vikings and also everson griffin daniel hunter and him had a sack and a half uh daniel hunter got the got the rush on uh breathe it's going to do the same i think they're going to do the same thing to garoppolo here harrison smith had 11 tackles these guys cannot be overlooked and Thielen. it was great to see them they didn't have him all season it was a weapon that they haven't had for the most for pretty much all season long he came up huge for them i think uh, it's supposed to be maybe uh, possible showers. I can see a lot of bubble screens, delayed screens to Cook and Madison throwing San Francisco off their game. So with that said, I am taking the Vikings not only to cover the points, winning the game. I've got three words for you, Parlay Kid. You like that? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Harry, I don't know what to say. Well, thanks. Thanks for giving the pick. I mean, all over Twitter and everything. He gives all these other shows. He gives the Vikings out. We're stuck with the Idaho potato bowl pick from Harry. Would have been winner. nice to have an upset. Winner. I could have bragged. Winners, he winners, says winners. against all odds, the Vikings win. No, we get the potato bowl. Um, all right. No, I don't like that. I don't know if I like that. I like San Francisco in this game. Let's move on. The late afternoon. Well, I guess this is a night game. East Coast, Tennessee, Baltimore, Baltimore, nine point favorite, 47's the over under. 
oh, Jesus, I just need this Clay Travis team to go away. I need it to be gone. I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. Um, I do worry a little bit. I'm one of these teams, the buy teams usually get off to a sluggish start. I don't know why. I think it's going to be the Ravens. I think they win. I don't know that they cover. Um, Brother Bry, you, you've seen enough from the Titans. You like them getting a lot of points. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you here. I like them getting the nine. Nine seems a little bit high. Titans really haven't been beat up in a while. Six and two against the spread last eight. But like you just said, I the Ravens really haven't played. They haven't played a meaningful game in three weeks. So it may be hard for them to get out of the gate. Uh, so that's why I think with the nine here, I could see it being a close first half. Uh, you know, when you look at the Ravens, they're top five against the rush, but, you know, they've gotten out to huge leads against teams. So teams really haven't been able to even get a chance to run against them. I think uh, yards per run, you know, they give up like 4.4, which is kind of high. So I think Harry, I mean, sorry, I think Henry can still run well enough on them. And I think Tannehill will make enough plays. And I think they'll keep Jackson in check a little bit just to keep this pretty close. But I, I think nine probably here is a little is a little too high. I can't. I'm Tannehill revolutionized the game. He completed eight passes in one. It was, it was Army <laughs> Navy last week, really. But Derrick Henry's ridiculous, dragging linebackers with him. Not fun to watch if you're betting against the Titans. Ravens, though, seven and one at home and four or five last five wins by double digits. Nine and one against the spread of the last 10. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, one of the buy teams usually is sluggish. It was the Saints last year against the Eagles. A couple years ago, it was the Steelers. They, um, they lost to the Jaguars. I mean, they were, they came back and made it a slugfest, but um, they were not ready for that game at all. Harry, you like the total here. Yeah, I like the under, guys. I like the under 47. Um, despite, uh, uh, besides uh, Dalvin Cook, this game probably has the three best running backs or runners in the rest of the playoffs with Ingram, Lamar Jackson, and Henry. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Baltimore Ravens come out here. Remember that's number one seed here. A lot of pressure on them and Lamar Jackson. Their last season in the AFC Wild Card game, Lamar Jackson lost the uh, lost in his uh, game to the Chargers, twenty three seventeen. The game obviously went under, and he fumbled three times in that game. So it's going to be there's some pressure here on the uh, Ravens to get off to a good start. I mean, but still overall, look, last week Derrick Henry was a monster. It's an old school rushing game. I think you know with being able to run the ball on both sides kills the clock. I think this game stays under, and I, like I said, I, Titans have nothing to lose here. And also, I think it's going to be difficult for the Ravens to maybe get really rolling. Uh, six of the last seven Titan games uh, in the playoffs have actually gone under. Under's gone seven straight games for the Ravens in the playoffs at home. And in the last 12 meetings between the Titans and Ravens, the game has gone under nine times with a total average score of only 32. So we're looking at 47 here. I think it's going to be a lot of running, not a lot of passing. Keep kill the clock under 47 to play. Parley kid, do you agree that the Titans have nothing to lose? Or is that just something you should really just reserve for a team who's sitting their starters in week 17? <laughs> no, I think uh, I, I, I would kind of agree with that. I think they're going to be a much looser team. Um, yeah. I, I think, think that's uh, the way to say. You know, I don't know if you say that, but I have nothing to lose. Yeah, the playoffs, there's, but, you know, listen. Yeah. Um, believe me, <laughs> every single coach and every single player in that locker room, they look. Then they're going to still right. feel the pressure. But I, you know, with all the hype on the Ravens right now, they certainly have a little bit more expectations. But uh, I think they'll be a little looser. Um, but uh, you know, they come out and Lamar Jackson scores on a seventy-yard touchdown run early in the game. That could uh, 
you know, right. things can change pretty Let's quick. Let's switch so. to Houston, Kansas City. That's the first game Sunday. Chiefs are nine and a half point favorite. 51's the over under. This is my favorite. I love the Chiefs. I think this this falls right into their lap. They lost 31-24 week six. Yeah. Good for them. I think that's better for them. They were outgained yep. by 163 total yards. But that was a different team. I think we'd be very surprised if they gave up 190 rushing yards uh, to the Texans. This is probably the only team that can't boast a better rushing attack than the Chiefs in the playoffs. Uh, and their defense, 12 points a game, 11 and a half points a game over this last six-game winning streak um, since week 11. 12 games with two or more sacks. I love this defense. I can't believe I'm saying I love the Chiefs defense in their first game, but I like them laying nine and a half. Parley Kid, you agree, right? I do agree with you, Sal. Um, back in, uh, I think it was probably uh, after week 10, I think the Chiefs were sitting at six and four. And I think I gave them at eight to one on this uh, podcast to yep. win the AFC. And I'm going to stand by that. I still like this team to come out of the AFC. Uh, and especially because I think right now, I'm not even sure if we've seen the Chiefs firing on all cylinders. Uh, but like you just said, this defense is much improved uh, since that week six win over the Texans at that time, which I think bodes well for the Chiefs because history does show uh, in these type of scenarios, it's tough to beat a good team twice, especially your team you're probably not better than. It's tough to beat twice. Uh, I think that certainly favors uh, the Chiefs in this matchup. Much improved. Day. The Texans are 3-11 and 11 against the spread in the last 14 games on the road versus winning teams. They struggle in these games mightily. Uh, don't I just can see Patrick Mahomes uh, having his best game of the year this weekend. Uh, this I think this could be the year for Andy Reid, Harry. I know you dislike him, but I think this is his year. I think they win this game, and uh, then they're going to be playing a little loose next week and uh, putting up points probably against the Ravens team. I could see this team going all the way. Uh, I think they cover this spread, Sal. So. How about this with Andy Reid? 11 or more days rest, 15 and 9 against the spread. That's 63%. 7 and 2 yep. against the spread, favored by at least one touchdown. Uh, 13 and 4 against the spread with a, uh, at least a week rest while closing as a favorite of a touchdown or higher. Did I just read that twice the second way? I don't know. I have that two different ways. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, this seems to fall on his lap. Brother Bride, I think the Texans are the worst team out of the uh, eight remaining. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree, agree with you guys here. And, uh, I do like Kansas city minus nine and a half. The only thing is, uh, I'm just, the only thing I'd be concerned about is one is like, do I have these AFC games flipped? Because, you know, we all, everybody wants the Ravens chiefs. We all expect the right. Ravens chiefs, but you know, we're going to get a scare right from one of these teams, probably in the fourth quarter. I mean, I don't think it's going to mm -hmm. be that easy. So I am hoping it's the Titans game is a little closer, but uh, the other thing you can say, too, I think Darren uh, probably could said it a little bit, but with Andy Reid's kind of been really terrible in this spot, but uh, that was really without Mahomes. But I think the Texans secondary is still really bad. So I expect them to make enough plays. Maybe this is closer than we expect early on, but I expect the Chiefs to pull away late and uh, and cover the nine and a half. Yeah. All right. That's my, that's got to hit because it's my best. And I'm going to have a lot, a lot of money that I lost last week. Riding <laughs> on that. Now this one, Seattle green Bay, this is the last one of the weekend. So I think people like for the most part, all three favorites. I don't know. Harry likes the Vikings. He's in the minority, but this is the underdog that everyone wants to take Seattle. It's a sexy pick. Russell Wilson on the road. We all know what he's done. 
Um, I like Green Bay here. I really do. Aside from the Ravens, they have the longest win streak. Uh, their defense allows 14 points a week uh, per game since week 13. Aaron Jones, completely underrated. 19 scrimmage touchdowns tied with McCaffrey. This team is 8-1. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the Seahawks 8-1 straight up, 6-2-1 against spread on the road. That's why everyone loves Russell Wilson. I don't think they belong here. I don't know. They haven't done a lot to impress me. When was the last time they impressed you? They lost to Arizona. They, uh, you know, they were down big to San Francisco. And now people romanticize that game. You're like, oh, they were three inches away from winning the game. Like, yeah, they played like crap for three quarters. And last week they knocked out the starting quarterback for the Eagles. And, you know, one by one score. So, um, Harry, you like the Seahawks, though. You like you're on uh, Joe Public. Yeah, you know, I do like them a little bit here. Packers, uh, they've been my team all year that I've been going against. It's just in terms of like not not taking the game, but not not really acknowledging what they're doing because of they've just been very vanilla. They haven't played great in their games. They they pulled out their wins. They're 18th best against in total yards in the league. Uh, yeah, Sal, you're absolutely right. Aaron Jones, the most unsung hero, probably uh underrated player in the whole league. That, that's not talked about with his 19 touchdowns. I don't know where they'd be actually without him. But I think mm-hmm. uh, maybe just I'm not the, the the Packers in general. Um, look, Devontae Adams missed some games, so maybe we weren't paying attention there. 38 receptions for Jimmy Graham, not a great season, and the relatively soft schedule. But beat two playoff teams, the Vikings and Kansas City, and they beat Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes. They also struggled to beat uh, Detroit twice, Chicago twice, and at home barely got by Washington and Carolina. So I don't know. I, the Seahawks team, the, the road warriors, like you said, eight and one. Uh, Russell Wilson's going back to Wisconsin where he, uh, where he played his uh, fifth uh, year of college ball at. He's pumped up for that, I think. And also, like I think here that we saw an emerging star in DK Metcalf. He had 160 yards. Russell Wilson had all the ultimate faith in throwing him the ball downfield. He had 160 yards, the most ever for a rookie wide receiver in the first playoff game in NFL history. And like you said, Sal, you said not impressed with the Seahawks. I, I hear you, but listen, they had 28 sacks as a team this year. 28 as a team. They had seven last week versus Philly. Clowney had five tackles in that sack against Wentz, and a tackle against Wentz had a sack and knocked him out of the game. Bradley McDougal, 11 tackles. Uh, Seattle 10 and two against the spread uh, as a dog in the last 12. 10 three and one against the spread on the road. And then the last 14, I think they're really the road warriors here. And I think if Russell Wilson, I'm a, I'm a little worried about the running game that they didn't get that going at all last week. But if Russell Wilson can take off, have design plays, I think a lot of them to where he's looking like he's passing and then he takes off running. Whenever he does that, it always works. And I haven't been, like I said, not impressed with the Packers. I'll take the points here more than a field goal. Yeah. All right. I know. I, yeah, I know. They, I know they had seven sacks last week. Josh McCown, they, they knocked the starting quarterback out. And that was the end of the game right there. And also, I don't know if you can point to the Packers ho-hum wins. I think Seattle's got like a point differential plus six or plus eight or something somewhere in there. Oh, true. I don't true. know. I think I'm alone in this uh, love for Green Bay. Brother Bry, you're staying away. You like the total. Yeah, I like the under 47. It just seems a little high to me. I, th- I think people are hoping for an offense offensive explosion between Rodgers and Wilson, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be real cold. I mean, I think they're saying the temperatures are in the teens because obviously it's a late game too. Um, I just I just don't think Green Bay at this point is going to flip a switch and just start scoring a ton of points. And we've seen the way Seattle plays is they kind of play how you play. So if Seattle's 
I mean, if the Packers are starting slow and they're not scoring many points, I expect Seattle to just run the ball and keep it close until the end. So uh, when you look at the scores, I mean, a Green Bay game hasn't gone over 47 since week eight. And Green Bay's only giving up 14 points per game in the last seven. So I, I kind of like the Packers to win this game, you know, 21-17. Uh, 47 just seems like a lot here. So so I would go under. You might be right. Yeah, I'd love to see some weather in this game. Add it, add it in there between Rodgers and, and Wilson. Let's get some snow or sleet or something going. All right, let's move on to the national championship game. Monday night, Clemson-LSU. LSU right now sitting at a five and a half point favorite over under 70. You talk about recency bias. This is what happened before they set this game the Saturday morning before the final four, as you will, for the college football championship. They went over all the matchups. Clemson was going to be a one point favorite over LSU. And then we saw LSU kick the crap out of Oklahoma. And then we saw Clemson struggle, get out to a 16, nothing deficit against Ohio state. And all of a sudden this, this line jumped six points, five and a half and 70, actually six and a half points. And like I said, so hard to handicap. Oklahoma was so bad. Ohio State put up a fight. Um, but you can't ask for any more. The 2020 number one pick, Joe Burrow versus 2021 number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. You have to think if you like Clemson at all, you can't think that they're going to get behind 16 nothing against Joe Burrow because uh, that will spell early defeat, I believe. Let's take a. Parley kid, you like LSU, you like the favorite. I like the favorites. I'm all over the favorites this week. Um, I Again, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, LSU just strikes me as a team of destiny uh, uh, this year. It's one of these things. Uh, what an intriguing matchup. This is, um, I think, all we could have asked for at this point. Uh, if there's one team that can upset LSU, it's probably the Clemson Tigers. Uh Again, I don't think they – look, they could have just as easily lost that game against Ohio State, right? So if one of two things had gone Ohio State's sure. way uh, uh, very early, that that 16 nothing lead, Sal, could have been 24 uh, nothing. I think if I added it up correctly. Uh, and that game could have been over early. Uh, and like you're saying, I don't think Clemson can afford to get off to a slow start against LSU because they will be relentless uh, – I think we could also maybe look at the over in this game, uh, although these games tend to start a little flat, but I don't think this one's going to. I think this this game is going to start. It's going to be high-flying from the start, uh, and I think uh, a late touchdown uh, helps LSU cover this spread, and um, their uh, their unbelievable year ends uh, the way it should end. Uh, and they somehow covered they, they win by a touchdown. Yeah. So this is like a 35-28 game in my book, or maybe even higher, 42-35 or something in that area. Because I do think it's going to go over as well. So all right. So there have been five championship games, right? 2014 season started mm-hmm. it. Has the underdog covered every one of these games? Definitely Ohio State beating Oregon. They were what, nine point underdog mm-hmm. or six point underdog? Mm-hmm. Uh Oh, yeah. Alabama beating Clemson 45-40. I don't think they covered, or did they? Was that the one that club covered? Uh, yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think you're right, Sal. I think most. Yeah, I think you're right with the yeah. underdogs. So, because then Clemson beats Alabama 35 to 31. That's a that's a cover for the underdog and a win. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Alabama wins 26-23. I don't think they covered. Right? Weren't they like a six point favorite? I, I might be all over the place. Obviously, Clemson winning 44-16 last year. That was an underdog. Yeah, because yeah, Bama, Bama was what? They, they were like, like a four and a half. half. 
point favorite against Georgia. Georgia. So, yes, so the, the underdog, underdog covered, covered there because I had Alabama. I remember I lost that. All right, Harry, you like uh, Trevor Lawrence and the luscious blonde locks. I am jealous of that, definitely. Listen, uh, I agree with Parlay Kid. They cannot, Clemson cannot get off to a start like they did. Didn't play their best game against Ohio State, that's for sure, being down 16 nothing. But LSU is human, too. Look, they, at home, they beat Auburn by three only. And look what Auburn did in their bowl game against Minnesota. So it's possible here. I know LSU looks unbelievable, but I'm going to go – with the defending champs, Clemson's trying to make it three out of four, two in a row. This, this team cannot be denied, really. Listen, 29 games in a row, 35 of 36. Last season in the postseason, they beat Notre Dame 30 to 3, 44 to 16 over Alabama. Outscored those two teams 74 to 19. Trevor Lawrence, 25 and 0 as a starter. The guy is a winner. Nothing really phases him, uh, especially being down 16 nothing to Ohio State, what everyone else would have failed and, and dropped uh, dropped off the wayside. They got right back in it with a 67-yard run. Dabo knows what he's doing. Uh, I think it's T. Higgins' situation here. I hope he's going to be playing. I mean, I really, uh, he, they really need him. But Justin Ross, wide receiver, did step it up for them against Ohio State. He had six catches. And Travis Pintian was great catching the ball in this game, too, with three catches, two of them for touchdowns, uh, 98 yards. He had three total touchdowns. He has to be solid, too. Uh, again, I don't think Clemson – Wants to be uh, getting a shootout with LSU. It's not wise because of the way LSU can just put it up, up and down the field. But again, like I said, 23 to 20, they only beat Auburn by three at home. So it's possible to control this game. And since 2012, the last meeting these two teams played, uh, DeAndre Hopkins lit it up and outshined uh, Landry and uh, Beckham. And they beat them by one in 2012. And since then, Clemson, nine and two in the postseason. That includes three wins over Ohio State, two over Alabama two over Oklahoma, Dabo Sweeney. I'm rolling with him here. Back-to-back national championships. I'm taking the six, but also I like them to win on the money line. All right. When Harry had Travis at the end, what was it, like 45 to one for a Heisman? That was the most exciting three-hour bet you could have, right? 90-yard <laughs> touchdown against Georgia Tech. I was, uh, I was, I was, I was going nuts with that. Yeah, they should have let you cash out then. All right. That brings us to our sponsored segment. Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the degenerate trifecta and I set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. This week, I sat with the captain. He's like, hey, what was the worst beat of the decade? He's asking me. I was like, I don't know, Captain. I I have no. There's a million of them. You can't even go. I've I've been on the side of all of them, but I can't even. It hurts me to think back. And he's like, well, let's put odds on it. Let's have the fellas discuss. So here's what he came up with. Any lateral that results in a touchdown to end the football game, one to five odds. That seems pretty safe. That's demoralizing. Falcons, 28 to three lead over the Patriots. They blow it in the Super Bowl, three to one odds. Oregon, 30 to one to nothing over TCU in the Alamo Bowl a few years back. They blew that game, four to one odds. Purdue, plus four and a half in the NCAA tournament last year over Virginia. They lose in overtime. Uh, seven to one odds and the field five to two odds. Um, parlay kids start us off. What was the bad beat of the decade? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, let's take, uh, the, that Falcons pats at three to one. That's re- pretty good value for a game where with six Oh four left in the third, the Falcons win probability spiked to a high of 99.8% according to an ESPN probability graph. That's, you know, it's almost a lock, right? Um, some some suggested that graph might have been a little high, maybe more like 96%. But in actuality, it probably really wasn't because at that point, uh, I think out of the 190 straight games, 
where in the same scenario, uh, no team had come back from that uh, from that type of deficit. So, wow. Uh, and we all remember some of the play calling that happened late in that game. Falcons up eight. They have the ball on the uh, Patriots' 23-yard line, second and 11. And they decide to pass, sack, next play, holding. They have to punt. The Patriots somehow get the ball back instead of maybe just running the ball twice and kicking a field goal, going up by 11 with under uh, two minutes left. Terrible job by the Falcons. Uh, All eight of their fans left that stadium. Very disappointed (laughs) that day, Sal. So uh, that, to me, was the worst beat of the decade. And the Julio Jones catch, which we should see, that that should be a much bigger deal over and over. One of the great catches of all time. It ended up being not meaning nothing. Oh, so it's terrible. Oh, man. The Edelman crazy catch to follow those freaking Patriots. Sickening. Sickening (laughs) to me. And the fact that I think I bought it to three. And uh, they still covered in overtime, the Patriots. Like, well, they didn't, exactly. not only did they win by three, they get the ball, they go right down the throats and cover and win and cover in yep. overtime. Yeah, that was a miserable, miserable loss uh, for me. All right, uh, Brother Bry, what do you have? Worst beat. Uh, can we debate a little bit more the 98% versus the 99% on the, the, <laughs> or the chart? <laughs> um, no. So I'm going to go uh, Oregon TCU game in January of 2016. I'm going to use this one because this was the worst beat by far that I've probably had in like uh, maybe ever. Yeah. I needed Oregon to finish off, I think, a 30 to 1 parlay, and I stood to win like over 10 grand. Um, but, and also when I put in this bet, this game was pretty much like an even game. But then if you remember... Uh, Boykin, I think, before the game was ruled out. Um, and then I think Oregon went to minus 300. So on top of all that, Oregon's up 31 nothing at half. Uh, right before half, Oregon's quarterback, Vernon Adams, gets hurt. Uh, second half, uh, I think a few drives. Uh, I think they kick a field goal, TCU. Um, Oregon fumbles a kickoff, which changed the momentum in that game. Uh, and then just all hell broke loose. Uh, the ending of that game, I just remember being really crazy. Uh, TCU oh. had to kick multiple field goals. I think they kicked a long field goal in overtime to send it into a triple overtime. So I will say this was the one game I actually, I hate hedging. I never hedge uh, because I had a 30 to one parlay. I hedged a little bit before the game. So it wasn't as bad of, uh, or it wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah, just overall, just a really terrible game. I, it's, it, that one sticks. When you mentioned that yesterday, that one just stuck in my head. Like, uh, that was the worst game I've, I've, oh, I, I remember looking at the screen, not believing what I saw, like uh, a team that could score so easily and then not score at all. It, it all just happened. A very minor version of that was the bills against the Texans. And we see this week after week, but when team scores four touchdowns with ease and then just can't move the ball at all. And then just get scored on at will. I mean, both those games, Oregon, TCU, Falcons, Patriots, makes you never want to bet again. Harry, what'd you take? You know, I wanted to come up with something baseball, you know, so I came up with this more of a bad beat for a city for Cleveland guys in the World Series game seven, Cleveland versus the Cubs in 2016. Uh, Cubs manager, uh, I'm sure Parlay Kid would agree. Joe Madden did everything to give away the series and game seven to Cleveland. But in the eighth, the Cubs were up 6-3. Cleveland gets three in the bottom of the eighth to tie it at six. Chapman was laboring, sweating like crazy. Then the rain delay in the tenth for like 30 minutes, uh, keeping the fans uh, of Cleveland on edge. Then Jason Hayward made that 
speech in the locker room. Cubs get finally they come back out. Cubs get two in the tenth. Cleveland's first two batters in the bottom of the tenth get out. Then they rally for one run and with runners on, Cubs pitcher Mike Montgomery, who uh, had zero saves in his career, gets Mike Martinez to ground out to Bryant on a close play. Cubs win eight seven, win the World Series. Another terrible last at bat World Series for Cleveland. Terrible bad beat for the city of Cleveland. I don't know. I don't, is that a bad beat? It's sad. It's definitely a sad loss. But uh, you know, if you took a live More of a line bad beat on the, the Indians, what was what was the biggest? They were a favorite in that game. Mm. <laughs> Plus one eighty. I don't know. All right, I understand. It's all right. It's all right. We can move on. Uh, Jim, Neil, yep. producer Jim, what you you have an answer here? I know you do. Yeah, I was thinking the Golden State Warriors in the 2016 NBA Finals. I know it's not a game, it's a series, but they were up 3-1. They had won 73 oh, yeah. games that season, 73-9, and and Cleveland was 57-25. and And yeah, up 3-1 with uh, two-time MVP Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond, and they lost to the greatest player of all time, J.R. Smith. Yeah, that sucks. I was all over Golden State. That, that was like a bad 18-month stretch for me. I, I I could go with that, too. Oklahoma State I had as a quarterback before, way before people hated Mason Rudolph. Uh, I was on them, too. They lost to Central Michigan up four with four seconds left. I don't know how they blow that game. But I have to say my worst beat has to be the Harry weight loss bet. I bet him $5,200 that he couldn't lose 52 pounds by Super Bowl 52. He did it with relative ease. I think he lost 55, 56 pounds. And then gained, um, I don't know, twice that since then, Harry. So that's a that's a bad beat. <laughs> after that, uh, not, not, <laughs> not twice, not twice, three times, not, no, two not times three times, much, but maybe one and a half. One and a half. All right. So you gained, you lost fifty five and gained seventy five. Yeah, that's a bad beat. I'm marking that down <laughs> as a bad beat. And uh, that's another week. Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live, like a captain. Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. All right, boys, Sharp Tank. It's time to get real. We have 2020 starting off. Let's get it going. Week two. Harry, what's your best bet? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go back to the Vikings 49er game. I'm going to do a prop here. I'm going to take the Vikings over 18 and a half points for the game at minus 105. Um, look, San Francisco's in the last nine games, eight of their opponents have scored over 18 points. In the last eight games, uh, the Vikings have played the NFC West teams. Seven of them have gone over 18 points. Again, like I mentioned, uh, they finally got Pro Bowl caliber uh, play at wide receiver Adam Thielen back on the field. Um, like they missed him most of the year. He had seven catches last week, uh, 129 yards, and a great catch at the end to win the game basically for the Vikings um, to show you how valuable Dalvin cook is to this team with him in the lineup. The Vikings are 12 and three scoring 20 points or more uh, without him. They're Owen two. He's a super great. He's a fantastic weapon coming out of the backfield as well. He's so dynamic. He's second on the team in receptions and yards. Uh, I think the Vikings get it done. Like I said here. And also I think they go uh, plenty over 18 and a half points. You only have to lay one Oh five. Vikings over 18 and a half is my best bet. All right, Parley kid. What's your best bet? I going to keep it simple. So I like all the favorites this week. So let's just take a money line parlay with uh, the chiefs at minus four fifty, the Ravens at minus four twenty, and the 49ers at minus three ten. I think like a lot of the guys here staying away from that green Bay Seattle game. Can't uh, 
don't have much of a read on that. Although if I were to bet, I, I do kind of agree with you with the Packers, maybe just pulling a close one out. But just keeping those three on the money line side, I believe in Andy Reid, Harbaugh, and Shanahan to get it done this week at all at home after a nice uh, little rest for those teams. That actually comes out to an exactly even money line parlay. Hmm. So you put 100 to win 100. So uh, let's put like five to 10 grand on that and uh, win okay, five good. to 10 grand. It's not a million dollar bet. <laughs> I mean, Jim Cunningham has a million dollars of those kind of numbers, but I think bet. that's good for us. It's cute. Brother Bry, what's your best? Um, we're all going to do that bet. Well, maybe not Harry. We're all going to do it, and then we're going to really be pissed off. Isn't that that's what's going to happen? It's all right. We'll double up <laughs> on, the, on the Packers <laughs> when we lose. It's fine. Um, but I'm going to go uh, the FCS championship game, uh, North Dakota State versus JMU, and I'm going to take uh, North Dakota State plus one and a half. Uh, this is maybe the best FCS championship game I can remember. Two, two best teams in the FCS by far. Both teams great offensively and defensively. But I'm shocked JMU's favored here. I expected, before the line came out, I thought uh, North Dakota State would be a small favorite. So it, just when you look at North Dakota State, they're 7-0 and in championship games. Uh, they've won seven of the last eight. They have this, uh, their freshman quarterback is phenomenal. He actually has 41 touch total touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, when these playoffs start, I mean, during the years, do I follow them as much? No. Uh, but in the playoff time, I start watching a lot of these games. I saw JMU play against Stony Brook this year, and it was a high-scoring game in overtime. Um, so you can put up points on JMU, even though they are awesome defensively. But I, I just think I would hate – this is one of those games I'd hate to bet uh, against a team uh, – that's been so good for so long in North Dakota state. So I would take the plus one and a half here. God bless you, brother, Brian, pulling this game out. What is this Saturday morning on the West coast? It's Saturday, like noon, it's Saturday at 12. Yeah. Saturday noon. So it's good because you get this that leads into the NFL and then you get NFL on Sunday and then you get the game on Monday night. So it's awesome. That's fun. All right. I'll probably almost definitely at least have North Dakota state on the teaser with the with the 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 Ravens yeah, or, like or the Forty Nineers, whatever that too. game is, yeah. man, you know what? I like all these. I really do. Even though I like San Francisco, I think the Vikings could score nineteen or more. But Parlay Kid, who who are we kidding here? That's the bet. That's the bet we're all going to make. Kansas City Ravens, San Francisco mm. money line parlay. Even yeah. the uh, buy teams advance. I like all of those. I'm taking that as a sharp tank. Jim Cunningham, come on, wow us with your two million dollar pick. All right, in the national championship game, longest touchdown of the game, over 66 and a half yards. Oh, oh boy. Mm. He did it. He, he scooped us here, Brother <laughs> yep. Bry. We've been betting gotcha. longest touchdown of the game. All we, did, did Harry give you this? Harry, I thought, argued against this, right? Yeah, yeah Harry, Harry liked the under. under. I like the under. That's what I mean. Clemson only had four all year, and, uh, and, um, and LSU actually only had two. I don't All think right, Harry listen, doesn't Harry, this guy's risking $2 million dollars a week. What do you put? You're putting like $9 on a parlay. Who are you to say? We've got to root for him here. 19. Mm, yeah. He's our buddy. Huh? He's our buddy. <laughs> uh, let's hear from your brother, Bri. Happy birthday. Where can people uh, wish you a happy birthday on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I'm at the brother, Bri. Um, I'm upset this weekend. We do not get booger. Uh, in the booth, it's a little upsetting. <laughs> I do, I'm wondering, do we get him back? Is, does he do the Pro Bowl? I think the Pro Bowl is on uh, ESPN, right? So, um, or ABC, whatever. So, I'm hoping, uh, hoping we get one more booger sighting for this year. One um, of our listeners who did not fade us uh, 
uh, regularly, maybe he does, in Australia, claims that Booger and Tessitore, that's their announced team for the Super Bowl. So that's very exciting. I think it's in Australia. <laughs> I mean, we may have to go to Australia for the Super Bowl. I know I'm supposed I mean, to be in Miami. Is, but... It is entertaining. I do love it. Uh, but yeah, just a great, uh, great weekend of football, including Monday. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Happy 40th to Brother Bry. Uh, Parley Thanks, Kid, where are you at? So I'm at the Chalk Talker. Um, and that's about it. So big uh, John Glenn basketball win yesterday. Uh, down four late in the game. Star player Josh Fenner makes a three and gets fouled. Makes the foul shot to tie the game. Force overtime uh, where uh, the Knights uh, won uh, easily in overtime. So There you go. And Parlay Kid's oldest son. Michael is out here uh, interning at, uh, at at Jimmy Kimmel Live this week, and he uh, reported to me that he had a he was asking people if they're high last night. Ran into some crack addicts on the street, so he's really he's really getting a good street education out here in Hollywood. I hope you know he might come back with a few earrings, nose rings, and everything oh, yeah. else. I hope you're ready for this, Parley. <laughs> That'd be kid. great, um, Harry. What's what happened to you? What's going on? Where are you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on AO Harry. You can also check out my new sports gambling radio show on 1580 The Fanatic in Phoenix, The Best Bet Corner. You can find it on the Fanatic uh, website in Phoenix. Check out my articles and shows on Odd Shark. And you can listen to me and Clay Travis, Sal's buddy, your buddy, Sal, discuss how we both like the Titans this week. Uh, we discussed that last night. Uh, uh, this morning, um, Clay Travis has outkicked the coverage, and I might on Saturday night, guys, might miss the Titans-Ravens uh, game because the girlfriend's got a work dinner party that she wants me to go to. Should I skip it, or should I, uh, or should I go? Oof. This is tough. This I mean, is really hard. You know, I mean, skip it. First off, the food's not that great, so I'm not thrilled about that either. Well, I was going to say you you love football, but you really, really love dinner. So I don't know. Yeah, man, this is a really this is a tough call. Where's the where's the restaurant? What is it? You don't have to say the restaurant name. What is what kind of food is it? I don't know. It's just not, I don't know. If it, she knows that I got to watch these games and she really wants me to go. But I don't know. There's no TV. This could be it. This could no be TV. Nope. Nope. It's at a uh, no. It's no TV. It's already I've already been there. Mm. Uh, don't go. All right. Why don't you let, don't ask go. your hero, Trey Clark? Crab, you know what to Travis do, Harry. You know what Titans to do. Game. I don't know. You tell me, Parlay Kid. You've been married for 30 years. You tell me. <laughs> you, you, that's what you know what to do. You know. I, I, that doesn't answer my question. <laughs> my wife would uh, tell me. Well, Harry, report. Say, well, you know you're staying Watch home. the game. Harry's not going to this dinner. <laughs> He's door dashing it. You'll, you'll make up for the dinner somehow. You'll be fine. Um, She'll be relieved. Jim She's Cunningham. Fine. The eyes are ones. They really yeah, are. Yeah, on Twitter at Jim Cunningham, the eyes are ones. And you can see me and Tom Gun Live January 25th in Los Angeles. Tickets at TomGunLive.com. Nice. All right. That's going to be fun. All right. Listen, hang in there because Jeff Schwartz is going to take everything we talked about and crystallize it and give us four winners. Former NFL pro lineman Jeff Schwartz coming right up. January is here, and that means January sports are here. The NFL Divisional Round is kicking off, the College Football National Championship is set, and the NBA is getting into full swing. If you're as excited as we are about the best sports month of the year, you'll want to make sure you enjoy all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one online sportsbook for a reason. They've got all the bets you could want, they've got a great, easy-to-use app, 
New promotions every day, and once you win, they get you your cash fast. If you've been holding out on trying FanDuel Sportsbook, then now's the time. Because right now, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new users their first bet risk-free. That means you can place any bet within seven days of signing up, and FanDuel Sportsbook will refund you up to 500 bucks in site credit if you don't win. Brother Bry, take it away. Do not, and I repeat, do not take the Vikings over 18 and a half points. Go under 18 and a half on Saturday afternoon. Look, the Vikings are only averaging 16 points per game in their last three. I expect this to be a low-scoring game. Take the Vikings under 18 and a half. Hey, Brother Brian, when was the last time your bookie gave you a do-over? Didn't think so. To claim your risk-free bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app from the iOS app store or visit fanduel.com slash android. And be sure to use promo code ODDS so they know we sent you. That's promo code ODDS, O-D-D-S, to get your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Indiana. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires 14 days after receipt. Terms and restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or, in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal on the line right now. A good friend of the podcast, maybe the best friend of the podcast. Really, pickings are slim these days, but um, you know him. He's a former NFL lineman, eight years in the league. Now offers up his gridiron wisdom on Sirius XM, Pac-12 today. Serious XMF NFL. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you podcast. I like everything about this dude, aside from the fact that uh, he spells his name with a G, which is super pretentious. Jeff Schwartz, thanks for coming on against all odds. <laughs> I'll file your complaint away with my parents. Yeah, and, and I'll <laughs> Can't you change changed. that? I'll, You're I'll a grown man. You can yeah. change that now. No? Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, I'm honoring someone, so I'll, I'll file the complaint away and see what, see what they say. Oh, I see. All right, well, we'll see what happens. You never know. These things usually go nowhere, but you, you can't do anything without trying here. Um, I went 0 for 4 last week in my NFL picks. How did you do last week? I was 0 for 4 straight up, and I was 0, 2, and 1 um, in the bets I gave out, and I was probably 0 for 12 in live bets. So we had the same, <laughs> we had the same great weekend. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad we could meet up. This is good. This is a great meeting of the mind. No, uh, you know, like someone like Simmons went four and oh, but I'm thinking, you know, all right, you had that um you had that Bills. I had the Bills. That was a miserable loss. A bad beat in terms of um where you're looking eighty percent into the game, um, and how uh McDermott screwed that up towards the end. And I you know, just just as easily it could have been an Eagle defender going head hunting on uh Russell Wilson knocking him out of the game instead of Jadevi and Clowney. Right. So people shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be strutting their feathers here. Right. Right. I mean, look, I had bills plus three, at least I got it really early in the week. So that was nice. And then, you know, I had Eagles plus, I think, two and a half. So I just needed them to score a touchdown at the end. And I was just holding out hope that, you know, a quarterback who was who coaches his high school sons on the actually was he, he coaches Josh McCown's son plays on the local high school in Charlotte where I live. And so I, I went to a game and Josh was like, they're coaching his kid while also game planning for a game in two days. So it's pretty remarkable. He's able to, to do both. And I see one more touchdown from the Eagles. This was a weird weekend, man. It was um, not like anything I think we experienced in a while where both six seeds won. Um, you know, we had a, an ugly game in, in Philly where a starting quarterback got hurt. And then, um, you know, just it just was a it's just a weird weekend. I mean, that Bills Texans game, 
that I mean, for for Saturday early Saturday games, that was maybe one of the most entertaining ones we've had in a while. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we call that the Shakey's Bowl because we meet uh, our fantasy te- our fantasy teams meet up there yeah, for the I, banquet at Shakey's, which is a very low rent uh, I, pizza place nationwide. <laughs> I heard the podcast where a fan just found you because he wanted he just, <laughs> yeah. just assumed it was the, the right Shakey's. That's an amazing story that someone it really cared is. that much. It's amazing. It's also amazing you. that we continue to go there. We have a uh, we have more than twelve dollars to our names, but we settle at Shakey's every <laughs> every first Saturday playoff game uh, every year. But um, it's incredible, yeah. So that was a good game. All like the first three were excellent. They really you couldn't ask for any more. And then the last one was just weird because you know you have two and a half hours of a uh, a backup quarterback. He did a nice job, McCown. But I want to have you on because you know about the trenches. All right, I, I, anyone could say, oh. The Texans are better with Will Fuller than they are when he's not playing. But but you know what's going on in the line of scrimmage. Also, you have a brother in the playoffs. So we'll, I want to talk about that. But first, I want your thoughts on my Cowboys and their coaching decision. They signed Mike McCarthy. They don't even wait. Jason Garrett, Jerry breaks up with him. A few hours later, you hear about a sleepover. Then Mark, Mike McCarthy's in the mix. Uh, I like that fine. I like that, you know, as soon as I found out they weren't going after a college Coach Mike McCarthy's as good as we're going to get, and then they beef it up with um, Nolan and uh, and Fossil. I think today now is um, is a special teams coordinator. So this this is going to be fun. I think. What are you What are you feeling? And I think I saw Jim Tom Sula, D line coach. So you're bringing, you're bringing the whole band. <laughs> every every everyone that every character back on the team. Um, look, I, I kind of had a conspiracy that they were keeping Jason Garrett around in case they couldn't find the coach they wanted, and just we're going to keep Garrett for another year or two. Um, but I, I like the idea of what they did. The idea was we're going to get a, uh, a quarterback coach who can coach quarterbacks, who has experience in the NFL and has experience in this business. And that, the only guy available for that role was Mike McCarthy. The question becomes yeah. is why did he fail in Green Bay and will it happen again in Dallas? We know that he has he visited Pro Football Focus. We know that he – uh, spent this year working on you know how he would have a staff with eight analyst members. We know he watched film all year, but a lot of times we find that it's tough for coaches to reinvent themselves. So if he really is reinventing himself, because his offense did get boring, did get stale, um, and part of that was Rodgers not going on script, and partly because he didn't trust Mike McCarthy in his offense. And so if, mm-hmm. if McCarthy has changed that part of his coaching style, then I really think there is – uh, an opportunity for growth in Dallas. Uh, defensively, really surprisingly, did not play well this year, even though they have a lot of talent. So, yeah. um, you know, I like the hire just because they went and got the most veteran offensive coach. Um, I don't understand the rush sometimes to hire college coaches because Lincoln Riley's good at offense. I mean, his defense have been terrible. They haven't shown up in many big games in these playoff right. games. So I was fine with the hire. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And it's, I think it's addition by subtraction, especially if Jason Garrett goes to uh, the Giants as an OC. You know, they already signed this um, <laughs> Joe J- Judge James. What was it? James, Joe James, the, the Patriots special teams wide receiver coach. I don't know. No one's overwhelmed by that. Um, I think this is good. I, and I also think it's going to be really tough for the Browns to top this year, getting a coach to do what the Giants did in a more dramatic fashion. The Browns are a mess, dude. I mean, they, they let the Browns, look, at least the, the Cowboys, you might you might knock them for how quickly they hired McCarthy, and you might say, and then people have said, well, they didn't interview anyone. Well, they did. I mean, look, they called around. They, they gave you interest of coaches, but they had a clear plan, right? The plan was offensive mind, 
help our quarterback, right? That was a quick play. Then it was came out that Dan Mullins um, from Florida, who has been known throughout his career to develop quarterbacks, was the next guy basically in line if they didn't get McCarthy. So they had a clear plan, okay? The Giants, whatever, you know, they wanted Joe Judge. They kind of had a clear plan. They want a guy who had a pedigree of, of a, you know, important background with Belichick and Saban, the guy that Dave Gettleman can really puppeteer mm-hmm. around, right? I mean, he's no threat to Dave Gettleman. Um, the Browns are interviewing every human who's ever coached before because they don't have a plan. They have no idea what they want. They don't have a GM in, you know, in there right now, the Haslam's. They have no idea what they're doing. And so they might, you know, they might luck into, you know, Kevin Stefanski at, at, at um, the Vikings OC or McDaniels or whoever mm-hmm. else, Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs, but they don't have a plan. And if you don't have a plan to win in this league, you're not going to win. And, and can, the Browns will continue to not win because they don't know what they want. Do you want someone to mentor Baker Mayfield? Do you want an adult in the room? Like, what do you want, Cleveland? Figure it out. And so I think interviewing everyone is not the best thing. They're interviewing Jim Schwartz, I think, today. Like, it just how is that, how is that good just, just to say you're interviewing everyone? Like, you need a plan, Cleveland. What is your plan? Right. Well, I think their plan, and correct me if I'm wrong, I liken the Browns hiring to, um, you know, you know, I don't know what that city is in Mexico where the crime is like, or the cartel runs it, and as soon as a sheriff is named, um, he's assassinated immediately. I kind of think that's what the Browns job is. Like, who would want this? But if they offered you this job, like how much money would you have to take for this job? No, I'm not taking this job. I saw someone today like offer Lincoln Riley all the money. Why? Why would Lincoln Riley right. want to take the job? He makes six million in Oklahoma, and he's the he runs Norman. He the small college town, 45 minutes outside of Oklahoma City. Like he is the mayor of that town. He runs that town. He will never leave that job if he doesn't want to. Right? They continually win 10, 11 games every year. He's recruiting at a high level. They're never going. He's never going to leave that job. Why would you want the Browns job? I think people underestimate at least Browns fans do you know, how important stable yeah. ownership you know matters and 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 you know the ability to, to change I, you know people will you know why did Ron Rivera take the Redskins job when Dan Snyder has been known to be a little kooky but I think if you look at the moves he made right he fired Bruce Allen he fired the trainers like he, he basically did everything you have to do to kind of reset your program and he's shown the ability mm-hmm. to do that at least once in his career uh, and I, I think that there there's been no sign that Haslam's want to change who they are as owners. And until that happens, they're not going to be looked at as a place where coaches are dying to go. Right. Well, I, I, uh, I anxiously await their move here. It's going to be fun. Like I said, big, the bar is way high after what the giants pulled, um, the other day, but <laughs> let's get to the games. Uh, your brothers in this game, chiefs against the Texans. I don't know what I'm missing here. I, I, I don't think you can make this line big enough. I like the fact that the Texans beat the Chiefs early in the season. I think that, you know, that establishes, all right, there's going to be some re- a revenge factor here. I think Andy Reid, obviously, off a of bye, has been great. Um, this is the one team that can't boast a better running game than the Chiefs, I think, in the Texans. And uh, I don't know. What, what am I missing? Isn't this going to be a double-digit win? I think so. I actually think a lot of these games are going to be uh, on the AFC side, especially blowouts. Look, the Chiefs, you really cannot look at the the previous game. I think we do this too much in the NFL where we take, you know, a game that played between non-division opponents. I understand if it's like the Giants and Cowboys playing and the first game matters and the second game. This is week six, right? It does not matter anymore. The Chiefs were out. Right. Sammy Watkins and, and Chris Jones and Frank Clark wasn't healthy. Tyreek wasn't healthy. Pat Holmes wasn't healthy. Kitchens didn't play. 
The Texans were pretty healthy that game. They can throw that game out. The game does not matter. The Chiefs' defense is playing much better now. The Chiefs are off a bye. The Texans basically are, are hope Deshaun Watson makes a bunch of crazy plays. Their efficiency ratings are awful. I think if you look at – I like football outsiders. They're DVOA. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that, that seven of the eight teams are between 1 and 12 with their rankings or 1 and 13. Texans are like 22. They're not, they're not even, they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. So they're not a very good team. And I think the Chiefs are going to come out and, and show you know, off a of bye that um, they're, they're a contender for the AFC. Look, of course, this is the, you know, the elephant in the room is that the Chiefs play weird playoff games sometimes. And so I wonder if. You know, that's the only reason to bet, I think, on the Texans is, is you hope that, that weird things happen in Arrowhead, which historically have in playoff games. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I mean, Chiefs win this game, they score a ton of points, uh, you know, like 31-14. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even close. Along the same point you're making here, weird things happen. The bye teams traditionally do well this week, but one of them usually gets off to a sluggish start. Last year, we saw it with the Saints against the Eagles. Kind of lucky to win that game, at least offensively. Sluggish start. A couple of years ago, the Steelers didn't show up against the Jaguars. They came back, made it a game, but lost. I think the Ravens are that team this year. I think eventually they win, but as far as taking points, I like the Titans. What are your thoughts? Traditionally speaking, I'd say that the Ravens, who have not been in a situation before, they have two players on their team off the top of my head who have really ever played in a playoff game of any match away, Earl Thomas and Marshall Yanda, their right guard. Um, so mm-hmm. you, I think you'd agree with that, that, that they don't have experience in this spot. And Marcus Peters may or may not have played some playoff games. I, I don't really remember. Um, but uh, no, he played the Super Bowl last year, right? So he's, he's played before, so he knows. Yeah. Okay. Um, but generally speaking, they don't have a lot of guys that play in this situation. I understand the emotional part of, of this game, but their offense is not a timing-based offense. Their offense is a punch-you-in-the-mouth offense. And rest helps that type of offense. I can understand if you're in a timing offense, and you're passing the ball, mm-hmm. and you rely on, on kind of the flow of the game to get into a good, a good, good rhythm. The Ravens don't need that. The Ravens are going to run right at the Titans from the first snap of the game. They don't need to get into mm-hmm. a rhythm. And so I think that starting slow is probably not going to happen for them unless the Titans come out and just ram the ball down the Ravens' throat, which we haven't seen happen very often this year for the Ravens. So I think that, that – Tennessee might keep this game close just because they're they're a good team, but I don't think the Ravens are going to start slow. Okay, all right, I like that. All right, I like that. Uh, you know, I, I work with Clay Travis, so I need the Titans to go away like three weeks ago. It hasn't seemed to happen yet. I can't stand Titans fans. Look, you guys scored fourteen points. You scored a, on two of nine possessions. Bill uh, Belichick allowed you to run the football. He played too high all game. Like guys, grow up. You won the game. Your offense wasn't very good. The Patriots' offense is awful. That's why you won the game. Because your offense is awful. Your defense played well, too. But the Patriots' offense is atrocious right now. That's why right. you won the game. You did not win the game because Derrick Henry ran the ball a lot. You scored 14 points. You scored the least mm-hmm. amount of points this weekend of any team. <laughs> and you also didn't win the game because Vrabel makes the call to punt on fourth and four and then takes all kinds of false starts, penalties to to bleed the clock uh, almost two yeah. minutes because the Patriots got right back to that spot in two plays. And if Edelman doesn't drop the second and six, yeah. they're one first down away from scoring three points, which is all they needed in the second half to win. Right. That drives me crazy. I wrote an article. It should be on SB Nation fairly soon. If you go to my Twitter, I'll, I'll have a tweet out about the Patriots offense and, and, they're kind of a symbol of what happens to bad offenses. It's never really 
one or two guys that are bad. It typically is like a different guy every play is screwing up. So I identified a bunch of players like Nikhil Harris screwed up, and then it was the right tackle. Then Tom Brady made a bad throw, and then the center screwed mm-hmm. up, and then the right guard, and then, oh, Drew Edelman, who is you know, his most reliable target drops the worst pass of the worst. I mean, because he, he would have caught that ball for first down, probably got to the 50 or over the 50-yard line. They need, you know, two or three more completions, get a field goal. I mean, right. the game was over if he catched that ball. And so right. um, I just don't know if the Titans – I don't know, man. I, I just – I think people are way too high on them. I'm with you. <clears throat> I'm with you. I hope you're right. All right, you made me feel better about the coming off to a slow start, and obviously Ingram being in would be uh, – would. I, I don't mind Gus yes. Edwards, by the way, but Ingram uh, is is a nice upgrade uh, nonetheless. All right, let's talk San Francisco, Minnesota. That's actually the first game of the weekend. Um, yeah, like I said, I think home field matters in this round. The ones and twos are typically in the Super Bowl. You blame Peyton. I blame Peyton for that win, uh, that Vikings win, that another Saints letdown. Are we overvaluing the Vikings? People are seeing the plus seven. I'm like, oh my god, I'm taking the Vikings. They're so good. Thielen's making, you know, back to the back to the quarterback catches and and Cooks running all over the place. I'm saying not so fast. I like the Niners here. By the way, you're 100 right on Sean Payton. Um, I'm gonna I was gonna write about it this week, but I'm gonna save it. I think for the off season. He has been not very good in these games. I mean, today's the anniversary mm-hmm. of the Beast Quake game in Seattle. They were, what, seven, eight-point favorites in that game. Um, yep. you know, there's a lot of coaching errors he's made that kind of get overlooked because he's just Sean Payton. So the Vikings, I think, have to start fast in this game. They have to, um, you know, just kind of play from ahead. The Niners come out in, in first drive, go up 7 nothing. Cousins goes 3-0 and out with that offense. Niners come back and go up 14 nothing. They're not winning that game. I mean, there's a very specific game plan that worked very well for them the other night. I, I really worry about the Vikings linebackers um, uh, and and really more more their, their secondary and coverage in this game. The Saints really don't push the ball downfield very well, and um, the Niners do, and they'll take shots. And dude, Shanahan's offense is so brilliant. It's so we get some mm-hmm. great offensive corners this weekend, and I think okay, I think seven's a, a lot. I don't really feel great about it because I think the Vikings are a really good football team, and if Cousins plays just average or makes one or two throws like he did the other day, they can win this game. Uh, it's a game I probably don't feel great about betting. I bet the two AFC games already. Those are already bet when the line came out. Like, mm-hmm. I got Chiefs seven and a half. I bet it like the second it came out. Um, That's I, nice. uh, I haven't done this one yet because I think the Vikings could make it close, um, but I think the Niners are really good, and they're healthy, which is hugely important for their defense. So, I think Niner, I think this game's a touchdown is probably I think about right. Yeah, I, I'm thinking Jimmy G maybe doesn't have to do a ton to win this game. Uh, obviously, their running game is uh, you know uh, it's it's the tenth story of this game, and it shouldn't be the 49ers that they've been doing it on the ground. And Kittle is as dynamic a player, I'm a game changer as you have out there <clears throat> outside of Derrick Henry and maybe maybe Metcalf. And speaking of Metcalf, Seattle Green Bay. Now I think people want to pick an underdog here. I think they're dying to pick Seattle. Seattle's a sexy pick. We know what Russ Wilson has done on the road. All this Green Bay wins ugly. I think we see the Packers get up big early, and Seattle won't be able to come back, make it one of those one-score games that yeah. they dominate in. Well, the, the Packers have shown an ability to score early in games, too. They've, they've often started fast. I know not, not against the Lions, yeah. but if you watch a lot of their games where they play well, and the kind of ingredient is starting fast. You know, the, the, the first 15 plays, they're called Matt LaFleur, is able to really um, to really dial them up well, and then you know his issue is always it's kind of been like there've been no, no adjustments really. So you're right, I think getting right. up big. I think I think neither of those teams are really that great. But I will provide I will say one thing about the Packers. 
Um, and someone brought this up to me, and I kind of think it has changed my mind about them. They're very boring. Would you agree they're kind of a boring team? Sure, um, yeah. Boring wins a lot in the NFL. So, you know, the idea that you have to be flashy has not always been the case. Like, boring can win, um, but Seattle's even even more boring. They, they're not just – they have Russell Wilson, and, and that really – he's so good, and he's, he's amazing. He really helps that team get through, I think, a lot of the conservative nature of their coach – and, um, you know, their inability to run the football at the moment and their offensive line issues with all their injuries. Uh, Green Bay should win this game. Um, I think this one could turn out in the end to be uh, kind of a blowout if, to your point, the Packers get up big um, mm-hmm. and just kind of run the ball the rest of the game. Well, let's not forget Seattle. Look, let's think about where they're coming from. They lost to Arizona, right, at home. Atrocious loss down the stretch that they really kind of needed to, to win. Then they, they, they get down big against San Francisco. They come back and lose. All right, a lot of people are seeing that now as, well, that's a game that Seattle should have won. I don't know. San Francisco had it in hand for most of the, the uh, afternoon. And then, you know, they knock uh, Carson Wentz out. So I, don't, I haven't seen a great four quarters from this team in a while. And, and secondly, you know, we say the Packers are boring, and they are. Why are they boring? <laughs> they have Preston Smith, Darius Smith. They have, they're the only duo with 12 or more sacks. And uh, you got Aaron Jones with as many touchdowns as uh, as McCaffrey. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why they are this boring, but I almost think Aaron Rodgers prefers it this way. I think he does after all the years. They've had, look, Seattle's only plus seven in point differential. That's not mm-hmm. good, right? I mean, they play these close games. They play these one-score games. And, they, you know, like I said, they rely on Wilson. So as far as the Packers, um, you know, they just they, – I think we, for so long we've seen Aaron Rodgers kind of make – this offense go right the throws that he has made the explosive plays in the pass game and i haven't looked up the numbers but I, I can't imagine that the pass game is as explosive as it's been in the past we just haven't seen that and i think when you're a team based off of you know rushing the passer and running the football you're kind of boring in 2019 and again it's not the wrong way because obviously it's working um but that's kind of boring, right? We we look at teams that just do that and think like, ah, you know, they I know they yeah. went ugly, but they're, they're kind of boring. And that's what it has to do. It's not that they really are. It's that they just feel that way when you watch them play. Like, oh, all right, I guess I'm watching the Packers play. Like, what do they do exceptionally well? But they have great offensive linemen. Uh, they run the ball. You mentioned the Smith brothers. Um, and I look, they're hmm. – I don't think they beat San Francisco next weekend, but they could represent the NFC. Yeah, I think people are just um I think we you know, we harken back to the days where they'd score forty at Lambeau and just destroy teams. And anything short of that is is considered boring and uh I think they get a, a bad rap for that. But I think they're a decent team for sure and, and should be should advance. Uh all right, you know what? Boring or not, I think I'm going four and oh, Jeff. You gave me all the information I need. Thank you. See? So I'll be four and four after two weeks. We 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 can't do any worse. <laughs> it's true. What are you going to do in the offseason? You made a good point on Twitter. You said you got to bed before midnight because there was no Sunday night game oh. and the and the you know Sunday game was uh, rather early. It's it's nice, right? Isn't it nice to kind of get to bed before one a.m.? Oh, it's like it's it's the best. I mean, like I you know I I grew up on the West Coast and and I miss the most yeah. um, you know the, the times of the games. Like you know, my, my here's my biggest beef about about trying to be a sports fan on the East Coast is your kids cannot watch sports unless they stay up late with you. So like growing up as yeah. a kid, you know, I was in Los Angeles. I wa- we would wa- eat dinner and sports would be on, right? Like during dinner time, my kids go to bed right. like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And I'm not playing on a Hornets game for 15 minutes. I could care less about the Charlotte Hornets. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing 
to watch on television that's sports related at that time of the day. So I either have to keep my kids yeah. up really late or they can only watch on the weekends. So like, it's hard to cultivate a sports fan out of your kids because there's no sports on during dinner time or like during bedtime. And so that's my one gripe about raising kids trying to be a sports fan in the East Coast. Well, listen, I, I lobbied for you to move out to the West Coast and then you show you showed me picture. You're like, that. Ah, well, I built this mansion in North Carolina for $97. Yeah, well, that, yeah. I was I like, mean, all right, forget you know, it. You, Stay where you are. You know more bosses <laughs> You know more bosses out in the West Coast than I do. You, you can pull some strings for me. I'll, I'll, I would gladly move. I, my wife, we would move to back to, back home to L.A. Like we don't. My parents are, you know, we great, you know, great grandparents. I mean, that'd be that'd be fantastic. It's just, yeah, I gotta I gotta get paid to come out to the West Coast. All right. Well, that's it. That's my resolution. I was waiting. It took me eight days. I have a New Year's resolution to get Jeff Schwartz out to the West Coast. And you said you want to be <laughs> paid. I'll, I'll work on that as well. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> You got it, Jeff. Thanks so much, Jeff. You want to plug anything? Yeah, my podcast, Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You. People really get really upset with that title. Just grow up, everybody. It's a good podcast. Uh, <laughs> teach you a lot about football. And, and um, you know, we, we have a lot of fun talking about subjects. My producer tries to be Twitter, so he throws out, like, a lot of wild stuff. People get really upset with that. But that's how you guys tweet me. So um, it's, right. it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I love, you know, that get, could be a spinoff podcast. Jeff Schwartz says, just grow up, everybody. I think that's a good name for your uh, your next one. Yeah, that, that might be my next one. My off-season podcast. There you go. Great. Yeah, Jeff Schwartz is <laughs> All right. Jeff, thanks so much. I, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you. Yeah, take care, bud. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. See me on Lock It In on FS1, 430 to 530. Eastern time. Watch Jimmy Kimmel live 1135 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the degenerate trifecta heel producer, Jim Cunningham and the great Jeff Schwartz. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Now-